guys, Ogre Barbarian here, and we're back for the next episode of the Oddsman Broadcast. With me today, as always... Hey guys, this is Daniel, also known as DPO427 on Reddit. And unfortunately, Doom is unable to join us. He's on his honeymoon. We forgive him for this one. We are the Oddsmen, and with us today we have a couple of special guests. The first one being M4 of part of our alliance. Hi, this is M4Y15, also known as M4Y15, pretty much everywhere, Reddit, in-game. And then we have a party crasher today. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Hate to join me, but I guess he fell asleep. Well, he did kind of wake up in the middle of the night panicking about what to do about the anniversary show, so we forgive him for that one. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, it's all good. But we're going to all have fun today, and uh, DP's going to go ahead and take it from here. Yeah, as I usually do at the beginning of the show, we I usually give a reminder about our Patreon giveaway at the end of the month. Now, um, this is a bit of a spoiler for something we're going to talk about at, later in the show. There might be a change to the Patreon giveaway going forward, mainly because uh, the Oddsmen and We Are Legends are in talks of uh, integrating uh, in terms of um, our Patreon and other platforms that we're available on. So uh, in terms of the Osman giveaway going forward, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen with that. But given the fact that we still have patrons, we're going to try and do good by them and probably at least do another giveaway sometime in the near future. But no promises just yet. So with that, we'll go right into Here Comes a New Challenger. Here Comes a New Challenger! So first up, uh, we're going to talk about Beast Boy. Ogre's going to talk about that a little bit uh, later on. But first, I'll go over the kits. So first, with Beast Boy, you have his first ability is Monkey Business. It reads, damage to an enemy, gain one affinity resistance up, and apply one affinity resistance up to a random ally. The legendaries remove two awarenesses from the target. Then his second ability is Bear Hug, damage to an enemy, and 35% turn meter down. If target is enraged, double the amount of turn meter down and gain three agility up. Then the legendary for that is gain 25% shields. Then his third ability is uh, Belly Flop. Damage and apply 15% turn meter down to all enemies, so it's an AoE. Uh, and the legendary is apply buff immunity to two random enemies. Then his fourth ability, now I'm going to try and say this one. His first passive is Echinodermian. Echinodermian regeneration. I, I took I took science sure. classes before, but I think that's what it is. Seventy <laughs> uh, percent chance to uh, gain forty four mens if Beast Boy is under thirty percent health at the end of each enemy's turn. Legendary also gain damage immunity. And then his fifth ability, his second passive, says Go Titans. 30% chance to use monkey business at the end of each teammate's turn, plus 20, 25% if the teammate is a titan. Then his legendary is also gain two agility ups and 25% turn meter up if Beast Boy is overhealed at uh, the end of each teammate's turn. So that's his kit in a nutshell. So Ogre, take it away. All right. So just a recap of his skills a little bit, and we'll talk about the skills a little bit. Um, so his monkey business, he turns into a monkey and slaps the opponent in the face. Uh, it's a rather fun animation, very fitting for Beast Boy. I'm not really sure where I rank that legendary point. I think I probably want to put it last. I don't know that he needs to be taking off that many awareness. But the caveat for that is, depending on how the meta shapes up in the future, it may be very important. So, But currently, I place it very low on the value. His second ability, Bear Hug, is great meter control. That's a lot of meter coming off, even if they're not enraged. If they are enraged, 70% meter is absolutely bonkers, plus the ability to gain shields with the legendary point. 
I put this legendary point fairly high. You're probably going to want to take it second or third, maybe even first, depending on how you're going to end up using him. Could make him a fairly decent tank, gaining 25% shield every time is quite a bit. And then we have his uh, whale form. He turns into a giant whale, bounces on them, belly flops, which is a great animation. I absolutely love the animation for it. But it's a big chunk of meter down for the entire opposing team. So it's actually very entertaining when you put him on a, a meter control team with somebody like uh, Kid Flash, maybe Black Canary, who all have AoE turn meter down. Uh, you can get quite a bit of turn meter off your opponent. Your entire team will go, you know, fairly quickly in succession. It looks like hate mail. Man, you guys are losers. And now hate mail's on here too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> He did join us. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we are losers. We know. Yeah, what's up, guys? <laughs> um, hate, hate mail. You're going to get the hate mail after dark version. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so we're, we're talking. You guys are trolls. You guys are trolls. That's all I can say. So we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, belly flop, nice chunk of meter down. It makes for, for some great teammates with turn meter control teams. His ability to heal himself is pretty good, but he has to hit that thirty percent threshold. So we're not sure how well his survivability is. Maybe Hate Mail has better insight on that one. It's definitely something that keeps him alive fairly well with the damage immunity, at least in the hero challenge as we've seen. So you probably want to put the damage immunity higher if you think he can take the hits, but we're not really sure on that yet, so I don't put that legendary point terribly high. And then his final ability, Go Titans, obviously it encourages you to build around a Titans team, but at the same time, the legendary point for it, if he is overhealed, uh, he gains a bunch of meter every time somebody takes a turn. So it also encourages the overheal team with Enchantress or Swamp Thing or some others. So there's lots of room to build with him, and I definitely like his kit. I think he has a lot of really good legendaries. You could easily take him to L4, L5 and not be, you know, unhappy with his kit, I think. What do you guys think? I mean, me personally, in my notes, what I was writing about him, he, and I was talking about him just earlier about this, he seems like a red version of Kid Flash in some ways with all the turn meter down in his kit. That That is a quite interesting part of his kit. He has sort of this decent tanky ability at low HP, kind of like how Green Lantern John Stewart works. But um, it is a weird threshold to hit. Like, why 30%? Why not 50 like Green Lantern John Stewart? Because it's kind of risky. It's pretty low. So he might either be alive and not have his meeting that threshold or just be dead. He has a lot of uh, synergies with the Titans, which is which is really cool. Probably the biggest part of his like, his kit that people are going to use, the fact that he synergizes well with uh, Titans getting out of turn attacks. And then the overheal synergy also gives him another element to play with. But I guess, you know, M4 will talk about this too, because we were talking about this before. But this feels contradictive to the other part of his kit. The fact that he has synergy with overheal, but at the same time he has tank, he, get, he becomes a tank at low HP. So, I mean, M4, what do you think? Yeah, so... My my legendaries that I want to take for him is three, five, three, and two. Yeah, four seem made made him seem ungodly in the HC, but in usage, uh, I've used him a lot actually exclusively in the um, Satana PvP, and I've never really hit that thirty percent threshold. I don't know if it's because of uh, having Nightwing lead or it's just that the low low powered teams are, but it it. It's really underwhelming. It you never hit those conditions. Although it's been two days, so. But the thing is, like TP said, uh, between the shields and the overheal that you want him to get, he's almost never going to go below that thirty percent threshold. Okay, what do you think? 
Yeah, same crit- same little critique I had. Uh, really weird threshold. I wish they would have just gotten rid of it or at least bumped it up or raised the chance, something like that. Gear 11, people are going to be hitting pretty hard. So I don't know his survivability. I don't really know his kit offhand or his tank or his gear set offhand. But the other thing is that... I want to say I, he's a physical striker. Oh, striker? Oh, then he's just flimsy as heck, man. <laughs> Good luck making him survive. I will say I was kind of theory crafting with him a little bit as, a, as far as a Titans team, um, team goes. And I wanted to put him with Raven and Raven would just give him overheal at the start. Well, if you just heal him up, but Raven's just kind of slow and I don't know that you're not going to get a lot of uh, usage out of that. Yeah, I don't really have much to say after that. I haven't really played with his kit. I, I did try a lot of comps to make his kit shine. So yes, Raven is too slow. I slotted in Red Robin just to give uh, Raven the turn meter, just to give, <laughs> <laughs> just to get that over here. <laughs> that's a lot of work. That's where you want to be at. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't think he's gonna be great in a full Titan team because. Raven is your only option to get him overhealed, and they'll be all dead before that ever happens. Well, I think the other idea was that his men's will get him to overheal if he can, you know, for whatever ever, reason, yeah, get if that he many ever gets men. There. Yeah, if he ever but gets there. I, that was, like, the only way to activate it within his own kit. Yeah. No, just put him on Enchantress Swamp Thing team, and you'll be right. But you hate I, I'm actually enjoying him more than most, where most people don't seem to like him a whole lot. But I've really, I've been running him with turn meter manipulation teams. And granted, I have only played with them for today. But I was running Black Canary Lead, Kit Flash, and Wonder Girl. Not Wonder Girl, Donna Troy, I mean. And that team was highly effective, but I haven't faced any of the super meta comps with it yet, obviously. But just against the regular PvP board, um, I'm pretty low in the ranks at the moment. But the... Uh, it works quite well. It's a fun team because the other team hardly gets a turn. And <clears throat> I'm finding the synergy with Kid Flash to be surprisingly good. I ran a Medfield-led team. And between Kid Flash and then the negative 15% from the belly flop, I'm finding that to be a lot more useful than I thought it would be. I also want... I faced one Atrocitus team. And I, I am with you guys. It's hard to meet that 30% condition. Though I do kind of have an idea for making a Beast Boy, John Stork, Green Lantern, Power Girl team where nobody ever dies. If you don't, you can't nuke them. I think that'd be kind of frustrating to play against. I don't think it'd be that effective on offense, but on defense, I could see it being really annoying. You just gave me an idea. Hey, what if you used Kid Flash to slow the team down or the enemy down and then gives Raven enough time to get her turn in? get Beast Boy over here and then you'll start going wild, right? Your yeah, I mean, biggest, that definitely could work. Your biggest problem would still be the Batgirl teams. Your kid Flash would never hit any of those. <laughs> maybe, maybe one. And yeah, but you know, I see more hard gun deadshot counter teams than I do Batgirl teams anymore. So, yeah, it wouldn't work against the Batgirl teams, but it could work against the others. But then you could run Terra as well, so... So one thing he does very well is give those affinity resistance ups. And I've seen uh, Wonder Girl hit the team for just like 900 points. And I was like, holy crap, this is great. He does work really good against Wonder Girl because his belly, he does, doesn't do great damage except for on his belly flop. And I've noticed with his belly flop, I can get Wonder Girl down really low quickly. 
Oh, but it's it's bugged though. I've seen it go to one person more often than not. It, I don't know I don't if that's think a bug. It's bugged. I think that the RNG might be a little bit off. I don't think it's necessarily bugged because well, remember too, I've if they're taunting, seen... it will hit both. Both will hit the taunted character. Yeah, exactly. But I have seen evidence of it going to two separate characters, although that instance yeah, the chances also are no. specifically the character two and three every time. So I'm not sure how that just, is going to just a bit of a, just a bit of a side based on just on what hate mail just said about the um, if there's a taunter, the debuffs or the buffs in, uh, go on to the taunter usually. Right. So the buff immunities. Yeah. Right. In this case, I, and I've noticed the same thing, too. Like if you have a taunter and let's say you have uh, Wonder Woman Defender of Justice to her lasso and it stuns, it stuns. It always will only stun the, the taunting person. Right. Why is that? Yes. Oh, that's it's why my Harley always the RNG is drawn to that target. But the taunt overrides RNG. Shouldn't that that shouldn't be a feature though, right? Like they didn't say that it should be that way, right? Why wouldn't it be though? We, it makes perfect sense. We do know that random attacks go towards the taunters, yes, but not not the debuffs. Like the de- But they're also random, so why wouldn't it? Is it, it now? That's the thing. Is a debuff considered an attack? Right? Is it that? That's sort of like the category we're getting into, right? But anyways, we, this is getting really off topic. But the I, I, I always felt that that element was weird. Well, that's fair, but I still think it it is supposed to do that because the taunting character is supposed to draw the most, you know, all of the attack basically. And if it's even if it's an AOE, the the debuffs are randomly placed, but the taunt overwrites the RNG to just put them on them. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, anyways, we kind <laughs> of got sidetracked by that. But overall, what I mean... Well, I mean, it's something that's good to cover about this character since he does have two random buff immunities if he uses his belly flop and has the legendary. Yeah. I do like this is the second instance of giving uh, buff immunity or heal immunity to two random targets. It's kind of like uh, Dr. Poison, I think. She has the same sort of effect. Yes. Hers is actually worded slightly differently. Oh, yeah? So oh, yeah? Okay. it is, yeah. Hers is, I think, placed two ran- two heal immunities on random opponents, whereas his is a pl- uh, something about two buff immunities. So I don't know how what the difference is, if there is a difference, if they're supposed to be the same or not. And obviously we have everybody saying that it's bugged and they're going to the same character almost all the time, all right. which it makes me think there is a slight difference. I'm just not sure. Well, I mean, okay, I guess on the topic of Be- uh, Beast Boy, I guess sort of to wrap things up then, in terms of a character in quote unquote the meta, or maybe even outside the meta, do you think that he has the potential to shake things up really, or is he not really going to make waves? Pun intended. I- <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to give you that bear hug. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I think for the people that do end up using him, uh, they're going to find him fun against the counter teams, but not necessarily against the back row team, like Kate was saying. And like M4 was saying, but he's definitely a character that is fun to use and he does a lot of things. So he's, he's going to be a very high utility character and his random attacks do stack up very quickly. 30% happens way more than you think and 55% happens even more. So if you use him in the right teams, he can definitely do quite a bit of damage, even if his damage isn't good compared to like Power Girl or whatnot, because of those random extra attacks, it does add up really quickly. So he can definitely uh, find a place. 100% of the time, he attacks 30% of the time. <laughs> so he's a weapon. <laughs> he, he reminds me, he's like Black Canary. He's a good character, but he's not 
He's not going to change the meta or shape the meta. All right, yeah, that sounds about right. And he's kind of on that tier, I think, maybe slightly below. I mean, you're looking at your videos, they, they, he looks kind of like a cool character. Decent damage, really. All righty. I mean, I guess with that, let's uh, wrap things up there for him and then get on to Niptak. You got a little more work done, huh? Yeah, just a little bit. Just a tweaking, tweaking. Maintenance, maintenance. The Niptak. Let's go over Raven's kit first. So her first ability, Shadow Blast, says special damage and apply three crit chance down to an enemy. Uh, legendary is if Raven is debuffed, uh, plus twenty five percent damage. If not debuffed, or, uh, if not buffed or debuffed, fifty percent chance Raven gains one awareness. Uh, the second ability, Empathic Healing, uh, heavy overheal on an ally. Raven takes five percent true damage. Legendary purge six debuffs from an from that ally. And overheal increased plus 15% per debuff purged. Raven acquires four random debuffs purged from that target. Then uh, the third ability, Daughter of Trigon. Uh, heavy special damage and apply four it downs to an enemy. The legendary is can't miss and purge 10 buffs if target has evasion. Uh, then her first passive is Demon's Acumen. 31% chance to deal special damage to enemies that damage uh, Raven. Legendary, if Raven is debuffed, same chance to deal damage if uh, an ally is hit. And also silence attacking enemies. Then her fifth ability, used to be a, uh, a leadership but is now a second passive, is Weaver of Darkness. All enemies gain minus 45% critical chance. Legendary, all enemies gain minus 20% affinity power. So... Uh, that's her kit, and uh, I guess let's get into it. Uh, it looks like uh, Hate also stepped away, stepped out, so good night, Hate. Yeah, good night, Hate. <laughs> we know you're uh, up really late and randomly, so <laughs> all good. Uh, okay, so Raven, I really like what they did with her kit. Just changing her leadership into a passive makes her absolutely, I think, bonkers. And increasing it from 30% to 40%, to 45% was, I think, a great thing. Also... Instead of reducing crit damage, she now reduces affinity power, which I believe is one of like two sources of affinity power down. Um, and this one's just a passive, so it's really powerful when you start looking at uh, physicals attacking mystics or energy attacking physical or mystic attacking energy. They're not going to have as much boosted damage as they would normally, so it's definitely a, a worthwhile upgrade. It's one of the first two upgrades I would take. The other upgrade would be her third ability, you want to be able to purge off all those buffs if the enemy is evading. She's going to be a great way to deal with, like, Harley Quinn Magister, for instance. So I think that that's a really good upgrade for her. So those are the first two I would take. After that, it's really up to you. But I would probably take her second her first passive, her four, uh, to get the extra chance to counterattack if she's debuffed, and then probably the heal, and then finally her basic. Uh, as your order for her legendaries because I think it's interesting that she wants to be debuffed in order to make full use of her counterattacks, which, you know, I think is a really good idea and a really good way to, to portray her kit. So, When I was reading over her kit, now, the thing that really stood out to me that was awkward, I mean, I think it's really good overall, like the changes made to her, it's the, her legendary on her first ability is really awkwardly worded to me. So... It says that if she's debuffed, do something. If she's not debuffed or buffed, do something else, right? Now, the second clause is what's weird to me. Why make it a double clause on the second part? Meaning, if she's not buffed 
or debuffed, meaning she has nothing on her. Like if she's like, you know, her status, her buff, her buff bar has nothing on her, right? Why not just make it, Why not if she's buffed, if she's debuffed, do something. If she's not debuffed, do something. That means, I mean, she can be... I, I think, honestly, that is actually due to Wonder Girl. Because people are being encouraged to not use buffs, she slots into those teams nicely that don't use buffs, I, and she doesn't have any innate buffs in herself, so that kind of helps out there, too. Well, I get that. So, I, just, I just feel that um, it could be something, like, basically, by not removing... By removing the not buffed clause, you still, you you could. Still I think take advantage you of get into the territory of making her too powerful. I wonder if she just had a fifty percent chance to gain an awareness. That's really powerful. I I could see that being a thing, but it's still pretty heavily gated. The fact that she she has to be not debuffed, right? If you think of it that way. So I mean, it's it's a fifty percent yes, chance on top of a gate. Keep in mind. Keep in mind, though. Buffs are a lot easier to spread around to your whole team, and they want to discourage that. That's why they did it. Right, but what I'm saying is that um, you basically still put the clause in of her not being debuffed. The fact that the, basically the buff line doesn't even have to be there is what I'm saying. Like she's basically her legendary would make more sense to me is that if she's debuffed, do something. If she's not debuffed, do something else. That's it. Like the the buff line, the fact that she's buffed or not buffed, should it be there? Is what I'm saying. You're right, but what I'm what I'm saying is the the reason they did that is because she could either be buffed, debuffed, or have neither. Oh. And if it was, is she buffed? Then do something. Is she debuffed? Then do something. You would actually get double triggers. Mm. And I think they wanted to avoid that. Uh, I mean, M4, what do you think? I think it's near impossible to trigger because, for one, in order to make full use of her kit, you want her to be debuffed, right? And then on top of that, the 50%. So the condition itself is tough to hit, being a clean slate, given how slow she is. And then at 50%, it, that's why I never took it. I just took her to L4 and never took that uh, legendary because it's near impossible to trigger. Maybe one of the hardest legendaries to trigger. Well, I mean, she still gets the, the trigger for the being debuffed, so... Yeah, but I mean, it's still hard to do, is what we're saying. I think... Um... I figured looking at her kit, it would give her a nice niche to run against like debuff comps. So if I ever run into bleeders like Ogre in PvP, I can say, oh, yeah, I'm going to slide in Raven and then uh, I'll bleed to death and then I'll use that legendary one and then trigger that basic, right? That's what I was thinking in my head. So Yeah, absolutely. And another thing to point out is that Terra also cares about the number of debuffs. So, again, two Titans happen to be working in the same direction. So, I think that's another good way to look at it. Yeah, if you find like a find yourself fighting a like Constantine team and you accidentally killed someone on his team or you killed him and you get debuffed, that's an easy way to trigger it. So, she's got a niche in there. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. Overall, uh, I think Raven, she she got like a pretty good improvement, her general kit. She didn't really, she didn't get like the, what, what do we call it, the Bane treatment. She did get boosted more than she was before, but I think um, most of us will agree that she's still a bit slow and she's still a bit squishy. But the fact that she's no longer needed to be a, a team leader gives her more ways to protect herself, especially if you put another leader uh, that can help sort of protect her with like, let's say, Martian Manhunter giving awareness or something, or pairing her with Supergirl giving more uh, anti-crit um, defensiveness. So I will say that I was 
playing a match today where it was just down to her and another teammate. And for some weird reason, he, Raven healed her ally and then she died. Oh. And that was it. It takes 5% true damage. Yeah, 5% true damage. So if, oh. So if she was at low health, then she kills herself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's terrible. That sacrifice play. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's how she plays. Great. Uh, I look forward to using that. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about how she might, you know, shape up the meta, if at all? Again, I think she's a great early counter to get that taunt and the evasion off of her. Because it doesn't matter how many evasions she has, because she'll always hit thanks to the legendary upgrade, and then she'll purge 10. So, and even with Batgirl, she'll have 8 evasion plus the taunt. So you should be able to purge everything. Yeah, but however, you need someone else, unless you're going to choose three other dudes that are slower than her. And I don't think you can build a team like that, right? Uh, if you're going to rely on her to purge the taunt from Harley and the inmates, I don't think it's going to work. You need someone else to clear that first for her or for the rest of your team. Although she's a great defensive tune. Yeah, I, I agree that she's she's good. In, like, you can use her to, to deal with Harley Quinn, but as, as you guys are saying, that she's a bit slow, so she won't be able to get too Harley before the others do most of the time. But sh that ability itself is still very useful in other situations outside of Harley as well. So I, I'm personally a huge fan of these type of abilities that mass purge, like that purge a lot of deep, uh, a lot of buffs. So either purge all or purge 10 or something like that. I, I'm a big fan of these moves because they're really, really useful. Otherwise, Ogre, what do you think? Do you think that she's going to really, you know, make waves? I don't think she's necessarily going to make waves. I think the people that use her are going to like her, though. I think if you want to pair her with, like, Red Robin as an alternative way to get rid of all of her taunt and buffs uh, instead of using, like, Hired Gun Deadshot or something, uh, you could definitely do that. And her ability to just reduce crit chance is absolutely monstrous because currently... The max with no outside interference from buffs is 47%. So if you're taking 45 of that away, you're at 2% chance to crit. So I think that's really powerful. On top of that, the 20% affinity power down is pretty darn powerful. So I think she's going to find place in the meta. I don't think she's going to necessarily shape it. Actually, something that we didn't get to touch on too much uh, is her first legendary. We didn't actually she counter hits. She, had, she has the ability to counter hit at 31% chance. But she can also counter hit if her allies get hit, if she's debuffed. So if she has debuffs, yeah. Right. So so she brings sort of this um, Captain Cold style of play as well. So you can kind of build around that as well. And Captain Cold also has special damage. So if you're building sort of a special damage counter counter attacking team, this could be something you want to look into too. It, it does seem interesting. And especially counter attacking teams work well especially even if you're slow because the point is you're getting more value out of your uh, out of turn attacks right it, it's yeah, a absolutely. great counter however there's very few greens out there at the moment once the wonder girl meta dies she'll be her stock would rise for sure right now she's countering reds or sometimes blues so it doesn't hit hit much but or do a lot of damage, but once the greens come out and play, she'll be even more valuable. Yeah, I guess with that, uh, let's uh, let's move into the arena then.
So we're going to move into the arena. And because Ogre covered Doom sections, uh, Kage, do you want to take over in the arena? Yeah, sure. So in the arena, we have uh, Donna Troy being the new tune that everyone's been able to play with. She's got a very uh, fancy kit. She The biggest draw to her kit actually is not the turn zero taunt that everyone was initially suspecting. It was actually the, her passive uh, being able to reset cooldowns or at least uh, lower the cooldowns on her on her teammates' attacks as well as giving them an awareness. Uh, we thought initially that was going to be a Wonder Girl counter, but it didn't really pan out to be so. It ended up being more of like a soft counter. It, all it did was just enable buff tunes again to run against her. But the problem with her passive is that, yeah, that one guy gets the awareness, but the whole team still gets whipped, and they still get the damage, and they still die. So... Not exactly the counter we we're hoping for. Um, outside of running against Wonder Girl meta teams, she does really good, and I really like pairing her with the thing with the likes of Steppenwolf and Clayface. You bring in a lot of meter and a lot of awareness to her teams that way. Have you guys had a chance to so, fight her? So what you're saying is there's still a lot of presence from Wonder Girl in the meta. There's still the Batgirl Harley teams. There's still the Deadshot Red Robin counters and that Donna Troy really hasn't shaped it at all. No, I don't think so. Um, if anything, I think she kind of um, warped it a little bit. You have her just chilling on these Batgirl teams and protecting Wonder Girl from the Deadshot teams. But all that really did was, oh, you have two blues and two reds. I'm just going to bring in all reds and just run over your team so donna actually makes those holly bat grow teams worse in the sense that they're easier to fight she does do things very well though one is to protect your team from deadshot and red robin so she does that very well and then yes. second her turn meter control is awesome i played her with a uh, beast boy and all those uh, buffs that he throws around it, it's insane it's wonderful however she has a big problem most taunters have a way to self-sustain. She can only protect herself for one turn. And her taunt is one of the longest. It's three turns, I believe. And she can do it again in two turns, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I think it is only two turns, and then you can use it in two turns. I, I'm pretty sure it's still, maybe. I, but I think it's three. I, I've seen her still have taunt, and I can cast it again. Either way, you can keep, you could keep going infinitely, right? So... Right, but you can't because she's gonna die. Because <laughs> after after she gets hit with the and her awareness goes off, uh, she's a sitting duck. Her hit points are high, it's high, but it's it's not high enough to you know prevent her from dying from all those red dunes running rampant rampant in PvP these days. And another thing is, it would have been better if she can trigger her passive. That way, she can gain awareness outside of having to taunt. If she did that, she'd be like a top tier tune. I agree with you. I think it was by design, though, because she needed to be able to retaliate. Um, that's part of her uh, kiss. You get no, hit, you retaliate. It says hit, not damage. So even if she has awareness, she would counter. I've never seen her counter someone when uh, she, she's hiding behind an awareness. Only when she's had hit points taken off. Have you guys seen it? I, well, it's... My memory's fuzzy. I haven't really used her yet, so I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm still I'll pay more. It. I'll pay more attention, but they, it's weirded, weird, right? Uh, I mean, worded yeah. weirdly. We, we talk- Everyone else says damage. She says hit. Yeah, we talked about it on the last podcast, how Ogun was saying that the way it's worded, it looked like it could mean that she just had to get hit. And even if the awareness falls off, it could still apply. That's what we were inferring the first time we were going through her kit. Now, Ogre and I haven't played her at a high enough level to really see it happen. And it could also just be an RNG thing. Like, even if it is happening, right? Right. the percentage that it's uh, supposed to proc isn't actually coming. It's so low. So, yeah. Well... I'll, I'll give you this to you guys. Uh, Power Girl. I, I know DP and Ogre don't really use Power Girl. But having run Power Girl and hiding her behind a death immunity or, or uh, I'm sorry, a damage immunity or an awareness, she will not proc her passive, meaning she will not gain the strength up, she will not retaliate or anything. But if she takes damage... I, I believe her says damage. Yeah, Power Girl's worded yeah, differently. Pop- that's, that's sort of what we were trying to say. So oh, okay. in Power Girl's case, she actually has to take damage. Also, so if she's damage immune and she has one HP, right? So even if she yeah. can hit, you're not actually taking damage because that one HP is not changing, right? So she won't retaliate there either. So okay. that so that's the way that wording makes sense. But um because Donna Troy's wording was awkwardly saying hit, but not damaged in that one instance, that's where we're we're thinking, okay, well, maybe this is different then. That's why. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really awkward. Then I, I don't, I got, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I mean, in in the case of Donna Troy, with the way you know the PvP meta is um, shaping up, or really not really shaping at all, in, in in most senses, it's ironic that in some ways she's supposed to be an, a pseudo answer to Wonder Girl, being um, not getting to six plus buffs, taking you down, but giving you something back in return to give you a way to sort of work around Wonder Girl. But at the same time, the ir- irony is most of the time she just works better with Wonder Girl now, as as we were saying, right? So she's really another way to help protect your Wonder Girl on top of what was already running around. Now, for those who are frustrated with that idea, now I think I posted a few uh, videos of my celebrity encounters coming up against Donna Troy teams. Um, one of the ways that I deal with her, especially with Wonder Girl on the team too, is... Getting Larflees and starting with his second ability to steal uh, one buff from everybody because he usually steals all the awarenesses. That's uh, it's one of the like you know the fun solutions that you can do, especially if you're running the Red Robin Deadshot hired gun team. So if you put if you boost Larflees first, you take away all the awarenesses, then your Deadshot hired gun can either go after um, Wonder Girl or Donna Troy. Usually, when you use Larflees, if Donna Troy had the legendary so that her taunt starts at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of the match you usually steal her taunt so that means her awareness is still there but her taunt is not there so you can go after wonder girl if it's the other way around then you go after wonder girl or you go after donna troy because you don't have a well actually no she won't have her taunt on so yeah it won't matter (laughs) but anyways i think overall she's an interesting character design but i feel like she's not really serving the purpose that she needs to be serving, at least uh, what she was originally intended to be. Hey, what do you guys think? Uh, I, th- I think she serves a purpose, but I don't know that she serves what everybody thought she was going to be. She thought They thought every, she was going to make Steppenwolf and Clayface viable again, but their buff stacks are just too big. Whereas somebody like uh, Power Girl, who only gains a handful of buffs at a time, is a little different. So I think that's a big part of it too. On that note, I mean... 
hopefully things will shape up next month. Either we'll get you know more ways to counter the, the current meta in either Batgirl or Wonder or Wonder Girl based teams, or both. Uh, or you know maybe we'll actually finally have to look at do we have to rework or readjust uh, Wonder Girl again? So. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think the first thing they should do is fix the bug. I think one of the reasons why she's hard to counter is because even if you have a Harley on your team, she can just punch through the evasion. There's a bug. She doesn't miss even if she is not enraged. You're referring if to her basic attack, right? Correct, correct. Because if she misses, Harley Quinn would just make short work of her. Right now, there's really no way to counter her using conventional means other than just, you know, using Red Robin and DSHG. There really isn't. But if you fix that bug, maybe there's a chance that she would, her usage would be lower. I mean, okay, well, let's get away from the actual Wraith arena. But now let's talk about, I guess, the Blitzes, because at least the Blitzes were a bit more fun. So we we just went through the energy blitz. We're gonna go through the physical one, but you know both of them don't have Wonder Girl or Donna Troy in them. So how do you guys find uh, at least uh, the energy blitz? It had a lot of Jessica Cruz and Larflees. Oh yeah, Jessica Cruz. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Cruz is hard to deal with when I was trying to use Grod Bizarro doomsday it was like i don't like jessica cruz this sucks <laughs> i remember when she was like the laughing stock of the community everyone was like oh jessica cruz she does like 900 damage at gear 11 cool and then you just steamroll her now she's like she's in a tournament where she actually does something cool and you're like oh my god i'm so scared <laughs> or if you pair her with larfleece together you're like oh which one do i kill first <laughs> The oh, but there's counters. I can't get to them. Right. <laughs> there's not enough burgers in the energy blitz. That's that's the problem. I, I hated it more than the regular arena because of that. <laughs> Between soups, uh, who else has damage? Arcus made the count comeback. I mean, all of those guys with yeah, that and damage immunity is annoying. My th- oh yeah, <laughs> my three favorite characters uh, amongst my energy characters are um, Starfire. Su- Su- Superman. No, actually, I didn't play Superman during the Energy Blitz. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> what? Yeah, this is what I'm trying to get. Get out of here. Exactly. Right <laughs> now, I, I know it's a surprise to most people, but there, there is a reason for that. So my, uh, I don't have a very developed uh, Gear Eleven roster, and amongst the three Gear Eleven energy characters I have, I used all three of them: Larfly, Starfire, and Arcus. And the character that I paired them at for for a leader was Green Lantern Hal Jordan, which has made a comeback for me for it's been a real long time that I haven't I haven't used him. But call assisting on any of those characters is good. And giving starting shields for Arcus is good. And having and then as M4 was saying, not many of the energy characters have purges. He also has a purge hammer with a stun. So I was having a lot of fun <laughs> in that blitz. It was it was good. And, he, and he's pretty fast too. He's reasonably fast. He's not bad, yeah. Yeah, so about the physical blitz, what do you guys uh, think about what that quote-unquote short meta will be like? I think it's going to be Atrocitus, Harley Quinn, or it, or it could be Batgirl Harley. Either way, there's going to be a lot of Harley. I predict uh, a lot of Bane. Oh, maybe Ivy. Ivy and Deathstroke. Ivy and Bane. Red Hood. <laughs> Red Hood. Oh my god, Ivy and Bane. That is so good. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's flavor. flavor. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> they are really good. <laughs> it's all those buffs. Toss in Lobo. I probably think that Deadshot, Hired Gun, and Red Robin are probably going to be in there a lot too. No, I don't think so. Because the the, the trick with <laughs> the trick with uh, Deadshot, Hired Gun is that he's there to kill your blues and get your team rolling really fast. I don't see him doing really well against all physicals. Uh, who I do see really shine against all physicals would be like uh, Emerald Archer, where he's just going to turn meter down and agility down and just soften up your team. That's true. Strength, Castaway. And strength down too, yeah. Yeah. Castaway is also really good. Castaway and his purging is going to be bonkers. Wait. Oh, and uh, Bane, oh, suck and it. Bring, bring back uh, Suicide Squad Deadshot. <laughs> so- just AoE, AoE, AoE. We were just talking about Beast Boy being turn meter down, right? And having a lot of out of turn attacks and stuff like that too. So if you played with the arrows and Beast Boy, you have a lot of turn meter control there in Fisted Reds. That could be fun. Oh, you also don't have Black Canary, don't forget. Don't give them ideas, man. <laughs> I, I'm personally not a big fan of uh, physical characters, like red characters in general, in terms of the affinities. I like energy and mystics more, but... Uh, it gives me... You don't want to run... It gives me a chance to... You don't want to run your Dr. Poison? That's the only character that I like in, in, in Reds right now. I like Dr. Poison. So I'll... It, but, but at the same time, it'll let me uh, play with characters sort of a little bit out of my wheelhouse. So uh, it'll be interesting for me, at least. It's definitely something out of my comfort zone. All right, I guess on that note, there's not really much to talk about in the arena for now. Hopefully, um, Sieges will come back in the future. <laughs> so... Let, let's hope. Still hopeful. Yeah, because it's been two months without a siege. I'm hoping that maybe the anniversary would be a good anniversary time. month. Right. So it would be a good time to introduce a, like a, an awesome uh, paywall character like Larflees and give him a blitz. There's not a blitz, a siege. So, but on the on the topic of siege, if you were to improve or change the siege, like let's say it were to come back, what would you do? Now, personally, um, and Duloth was one person who mentioned this too. Uh, instead of making it a month long, why not make it two weeks long and split it up? Or make it two weeks for one character, two weeks for another character, for example. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's definitely one, something that could work. Like one month is a long but time. If there's, it, it is, but if there's one thing I want to remove, it's the revenge. It's it's just an unfair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't don't even allow revenge. Just have it disabled completely. Yeah. Right. Sure. I don't know. I, I think... I think the devs just want to keep that in just to mess with people. <laughs> but I don't see them going away. Right. I mean, one of the best strategies in Siege was the sandbag. Yeah. Which I could not do. <laughs> it, it did. It really did. I, I took my dudes to level 80. What a big mistake. Now I'm paying for it in rate. Boo. Exactly. <laughs> and I didn't and I don't even have a full roster of level eighty like hate. It's just those siege tunes and I'm paying <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah, they really Sad. I wish they would fix PvP for Wraith, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, I would I agree with the consensus of I would actually go for three weeks and then halfway through the tournament just switch out who the bonus characters are. That might upset a lot of people. That's the thing is like you get you get committed to like one type of strategy and then you pour a lot of resources like uh, M4 did and then if you switch it on, well, then they might get upset, right? But but here's the deal. I People forget I have an alt account. That alt account does not have a lot of tunes. I only have four of the tunes, which I use and I play it on auto. Auto on Siege. 
because I don't care. And I still finished top 60, I think, or 80. So you don't need all eight. I mean, if we have four fixed, like the new tunes for that month, and then a rotating four just to get around the boredom, that's what makes Siege seem so long. It's because it's those same eight tunes, except for those people that still used Wonder that's Girl. A, that's exactly and, what I was saying, like, I think two months ago on, on the podcast around that time. So that that one of the things I was thinking about is having a rotating uh, bonus list, but then at the same time, you get sort of, it's it's really hard. You can't really balance both sides of it, right? Uh, or maybe just have an expanded bonus list, like just make it bigger. That way you have more options to pick from. I was really surprised that all the lanterns, like Arceus, Jessica, Hal, weren't bonus tunes for the siege. Because you're fighting for Larflees, right? I was surprised that they weren't included. I mean, well, for now, let's hope that it, it comes back sometime in the near future. Even if it comes back the way it was before, I, it's still better than nothing. And it's definitely better than your usual, I guess, PvP events, right? Oh, sorry, PV, yeah, PvP events. So, in, in that vein, right? But uh, for now... La- last thing I want to add, don't sell Siege Energy. Oh, yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> put in the that was, that was yeah. the biggest drawing point to, to the event. The fact that everyone was on a leveled playing field. And then it sort of got less leveled. But anyways. Oh, I will say also that... I don't want to do the 27 battles and 30 heroics again for Siege Energy. That was painful <laughs> to do. Where you're fighting 27 Wraith matches a day against someone and then just to get some energy, that made it a chore. Wait, don't you do that anyway for the for the hope rings? I do, but I do it on like, oh, well, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it also- I don't. It also counts your blitz battles too, or not your your siege battles. So in the twenty seven, if you're battling fifteen battles or whatever a day, right? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I was just needlessly picking at it, but it just felt like a lot of labor for the, for some energy. Yeah, the part the, the the more laborious part is if you're not doing the PVE stuff, right? Like if you're not doing the thirty uh, heroics a day or whatever, that's when it gets a bit tougher. Otherwise. I'm fine with the way it is, but I would like to see some small tweaking to it if it were to come back. But mainly, I just want it to come back. All right. Uh, I guess with that, let's move on to Event Horizon. Hell is only a word. Reality is much, much worse. And actually, before on Event Horizon, I was going to talk about how there's no, there wasn't a restricted list for the Grundy events, but now there's a restricted list for the Grundy events. So, <laughs> did you guys see the the what's what's the word here? The Halloweenish themed restricted list, or the uh, it's not really a monster mash list. What do you guys think of that list? Justice League Darkish. Yeah, it's kind of Justice League Darkish. I can see that. I can see that there's definitely gonna be a few tunes, a few characters that are basically gonna make up pretty much most of the team compositions. Um, it's basically the big heavy hitters of PvP. But what do you guys think? I don't know. I think the list was interesting. It wasn't super huge, so it doesn't give a ton of space to, to make teams, but I think it was deep enough to make some interesting comps. It really depends on who the opponents are. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, the only the only physical character is Killer Croc, I think, right? If I wasn't... Uh, if I was reading that correctly. Uh, Scarecrow. Oh, Scarecrow, right. Never mind. Scarecrow and, and Killer Croc. That still isn't that. That's still not a lot of selection, but I guess the list is still pretty limited too overall. But it's not bad, I guess. 
But you have Etcher Gun, you can just blow through the event. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> basically, uh, if you bothered to build him or have him at this point. Yeah, obviously, as long as you're not Doom, <laughs> you should be playing with him. I don't have him either. Oh, really? Uh, like, I have okay. like I have him at L3, but I don't have him built. He's like level 35 or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ogre, Ogre doesn't touch Metatunes. <laughs> Boom, meta. Since there's that, well, I mean, that's covered. I mean, um, the idea here is that for the legendary version and the hero version of the the Grundy challenge, what do you guys think it's going to be like? Is it going to be like, well, only legendaries can enter the first one, but everyone can enter the second one? Or in the second one, only non-legendary can enter that one? No, that's already been clarified, I thought, in the newsletter. Oh, yeah? It yeah, was, the newsletter everybody is open available, to everyone. Everybody's available for the lower level one. And then has to be legendary in order to enter the legendary one. So it's like the showdowns for PvP. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. All right then. Also, that newsletter. I loved the fact that that newsletter had recommended level and gear level yeah. and everything okay. else attached to it. That was amazing. Now, thank you for including that. It was so good. Now here, here's the thing. On the last note, it said you wanted like gear ten plus, right? Do you think it will be at the same difficulty as the previous ones where it was actually really hard to do at gear 10? Maybe you even at gear 11 for, for some characters was really hard. But do you think that that means... Well, I did notice that... I did notice that it also said like level 78 or something. It wasn't saying do it at level 70 or level 60. It was saying do it at really high level. So we'll see what that means. Well, we'll see, I guess. Uh, in my case, hopefully Etrigan can carry. So we'll see. I'm sure he'll do just fine. <laughs> in terms of Event Horizon, I mean, otherwise, we don't really have much um, on the horizon for PvE. I mean, what do you guys want to see other than the same old, same old? I still am happy with just getting hero challenges every month. I think those are plenty of content, and a lot of people overlook them as not new content, even though they are. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a story. They have plenty of nodes to fight through. Uh, so I don't... I don't understand. I mean, I understand... The idea that people want more, they want chapter 9, they want chapter 10, whatever. Uh, they want legendary events and all this other stuff. But at the same time, you can't complain that we're not getting content when they're giving us 24 new nodes twice a month with story. I would have to politely disagree. Um, while, yes, it's cool that they are giving us something to play through, a lot of the veteran players are just pressing auto the theme challenges with the scarecrow and all that that made made you think a little bit and that was really cool still not exactly the difficulty where we want it yet but it looks like they're trying and i will give them props for that i think we just really want a real new reliable way to uh, farm material and something to just challenge us to use our gear 11 rosters oh also, the Batman Beyond one was really lazy. I saw like two cutscenes, and that was it. Oh, there's one thing I'm missing. You know those splash screens? I think they stopped doing that after Power Girl. Power Girl? I, I, I missed those. Dude, I, I want some new splash screens too, man. Give us new art. Give us I want them to bring back the old ones that they took out. Like who? Uh, Wonder Woman Coda? Uh, there was old school ones of Wonder Woman Coda, Batman CC... Uh, there was a handful of them, but they took a bunch of them. There was a Batman out. one? There was a Batman one? There was, yeah. yeah. What? I, I yeah, he was doing like a grapple that. kick. I've really? never I seen that. Don't remember, I don't remember seeing it. 
Wait, I've never seen that. There's a compilation on Reddit somewhere where someone put it on a uh, imager. They posted basically extracted screens from I think the iPad version uh, in high quality. On it's there somewhere, but they're all up to I think it's before Power Girl time. But I, it's pretty. It's pretty at like I I go there to use the back to get the backgrounds to use for my resource management uh, slides. So that's why that's how I know that. Actually, now that I think of it, from that one, I think there wasn't a bat. There's a bat girl one, but I don't think there's a Batman one. I swear there was an old loading screen where Batman CSC was like kicking you in the face. Could be really. I'd have to see that. But okay, well, I do like I do agree with the fact that they should bring they should recommission like whoever whichever artists they had for that because we have a lot of new characters that would be really cool in wall wallpaper form. So. Well, I guess with that, let's uh, move on to the shop talk then. So in terms of shop talk, there wasn't too much in terms of the actual shop. The packs haven't really dif- uh, differed from every each month's pattern in the last, I think, maybe three months. So that's actually a good thing, I guess, in terms of consistency. Just in case you guys wanted to know, um, from the last few months... Actually, probably going on at least half a year or more. I would say that the thing that you guys want to pay attention to, especially those who are looking into buying the gem packs, they come out every Friday of each week, basically during the the physical upgrade event day. That's a Friday, right? Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. So basically, on those days, four times four times in the month, or sometimes five times, depending if there's a fifth week. Uh, you'll you'll get them in order of the hundred dollar pack, twenty five dollar pack, hundred dollar pack, twenty five dollar pack. So that has been more or less cemented, like it's pretty consistent. And the order in which they appear tend to be uh, the freebie character first for the hundred dollar pack, then the first rework character, then the next paywall character, hundred dollar pack, then the next rework character after that. Also, in terms of which characters seem to be getting the six day challenge the, the following month. It seems to be the second character that got a rework, I believe. So this month we have... Who's a six-day challenge character this month? I forgot. It was... Uh, Batman. Crud. Batman. Batman. Yeah, World's Greatest Detective. Yeah, so he was the second pack, the second $25 pack last month, right? And this month's second $25 pack will be Raven. So I believe Raven will get a hero challenge the next month then if the pattern keeps consistent well to be fair that would make more sense anyway because nightwing had a showdown and a previous hero challenge right so and raven had pretty limited availability overall too so it would just make more sense uh, that's something to keep in mind of um there are a couple of other patterns but um if i can remember them i'll i guess put them uh mention them at another time but those are the ones that are probably easiest to remember for those of you who want to be keeping track of that then, in terms of bug fixes recently, there were a couple of bugs fixed with Donna Troy, uh, with awarenesses disappearing when she dies, uh, especially the ones that start with her taunt. And I believe there was a point where awarenesses that are gained through her passive uh, were also still disappearing after they released the first fix, but I guess that's all been fixed now. Then, just just very recently, there's been a fix to Riddler. I, I know that Doom and Hate were talking about this, but do you guys know what that one, that one was about? I believe his three was purging instead of his two, and and also his taunt cannot be pur- uh, cannot be purged. So basically, his taunt will just stay on forever. 
as long until it wears off? I don't know how long, but you cannot purge it. Okay. Which okay. kind of makes sense because I just put it on and then you're gonna take it off, right? So. Well, but it's it weird. would seem like Killer Croc or somebody like that would be able to purge it off, but apparently it doesn't, right? It, it doesn't, yeah. yeah. I'm not complaining. So, but Yeah, but it's still a little awkward. But that's been fixed, right? Uh, well, we don't know yet. I don't, I don't think so. Oh, I, I think awesome. it was just the three purging was fixed. Well, I guess we'll leave it up to the guys who have like the the really developed Riddlers to take. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> so it'll be. I do have I do have him. I'll, I'll play some more. It'll be uh, Hate and Doom who will have to test that for us, right? Then. Okay. I play with him a lot. Alrighty then. I mean, I guess with that, there's not too much to talk about in terms of bug fixes. There's nothing really too much to talk about in the shop, so that's good. We'll get on into the community watchtower then. Wait, you mean we're going to take the watchtower out of orbit and drop it right on top of their little science project? As we've been doing um, with most of our guests um, in community watchtower today, we have on M4Y15. And uh, as you guys may already know, he's a member of the Court of Owls. And he's also a member of the Justice League of Reddit on his alternate account. So we'll get to know M4 here. Um, he's, he's also been on the We Are Legends podcast previously too. But uh, this time around, we'll get a chance to talk to him more personally. And as we normally do, we'd like to ask our guests you know, what their history is with comics, DC, and DCL. So M4, go ahead. All right. So let's start with how I got into this game. So I think I started right when it went public. So I did not get the chance to play in the beta, but I did start um, November, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But for the first few months, I had no idea what I was doing until I found Reddit. So, and I think I just got a hold of my roster around uh, the Bat Family Week uh, month, and then it took off from there. Yeah, it's the same as me. Exactly. Pretty much, I found Reddit and then figured out what I was doing. <laughs> what to do, right? So, gears. It's always gears. That's the answer. What you do with your gems, gears. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, I've been around alliances since the beginning. So, I've always been with the known um, members of the community. So, I've run with a toxin loot for like the longest time until unfortunately they retired from the game. So we formed Shinsen Gumi way back and that was when we splintered from um, VTV, you know, those drama days. Anyway, I'm not gonna get into it, <laughs> but, you, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Those awkward <laughs> alliance days before alliances were a thing. Uh, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, not too long ago, Shinsen Gumi merged with uh, Convoluted. And that's how I met uh, Joker, Alexi. I don't know how to say his name, OC3. And then most recently, I joined the ALS. And my ALT, you know, joined JLR. So I know more people in the community. So that's basically it. So why I did that is because really alliances in the game it's basically just getting points right we don't really interact in the game what's more important is our alliances community discord reddit or what have you right so that's why i like meeting people so that's why i made myself a member of uh, some of the well-known communities and alliances yeah i definitely agree with you there like the alliances is basically just you know team building group building community building but i definitely would like to see more of alliances like things that make alliances matter right for the, for the right. time being it's kind of it's kind of stale it is one of the changes that i want to happen is for 
alliances to matter is like our PVP placing would contribute towards our alliance points, right? That would make for some fun interactions, right? Because right now you're just basically putting up points, right? How much time or gems you can put into PVE, that's basically it, right? But if you put it into like something friendly, like in, in PVP. You can sort of like PVP you, more, right? Correct, right? You would put your toughest team, try to go for world's finest, and then it'll add up to your alliance points. That would be some fun alliance wars, right? Cool. So what about comics? How'd you get into, I guess, comics and DC? I used to collect image comics back in the day before uh, Magic the Gathering killed that uh, vice. <laughs> Kids support vote in college. <laughs> so I was most... So you're, you're, but, you're a Magic player too? Oh, years ago, I stopped that. It's way too expensive. Okay. Well, yeah. But I did play back in the day. Ogre and I know what you mean. Very, very much so. <laughs> yes. I, I think I started when it was still third edition. So. Part of the reason why we're doing a podcast at this time, too, is because I was playing in a tournament earlier today. <laughs> ah, okay. So I blame you for... And I was actually <laughs> studying to do my judge testing for Magic as well. Ah, okay. Yeah. So now I know I'm up at 2 a.m. Thanks, Magic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm equally into Marvel and DC, but for some reason with gaming, I gravitate towards DC. So I think how I got into the game was like uh, playing Injustice on console. And then I want to unlock things and then I discovered that there's an injustice uh, mobile game and then turns out I like playing mobile games more than console and then that's how I got to DC Legends so I no longer buy comics print but I still buy them every once in a while in digital format Uh, so I'm still up to date until just before New 52 I knew the storylines but I've never read most of the comics since that you and I have a lot in common then because I basically did the same thing. I started off with a lot of paper comics, both Marvel and DC. But because now that I live in Japan, Japan doesn't have comic book stores in the, in the traditional sense. So we, it's really, really hard to get paper comics unless you order them from abroad and then you have them shipped. Right. Mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> so then the other thing is that um, when, you, when you get into comics here, the only other way to get them and even animated shows or just tv shows in general that are you know from the u.s you have to go through the internet and find it some sometimes they're not through very um, quote-unquote legal means <laughs> so but in terms of the um the digital stuff that you read in terms of the comics where do you access that comicsology amazon pretty much bought it so you can get it through amazon or i think they also have a marvel and dc app for it but they all go towards that service are they like are they like full digital prints onto digital form or are they like scans i think they're actually digital format it, it's not like someone just took a photo of the comics i think oh, okay they're really digital that's cool they, they came from they come from marvel and dc straight so high quality stuff i'll look into that so if that's the case then maybe i'll just buy into that then sounds good is it like a subscription yeah, thing? No, for Comixology, I don't think it is. You have to buy comics uh, per Oh, I see. So it's like, it's like buying uh, books on Kindle or something like that, right? Correct. That's exactly it. But I mostly buy, buy the collections, so I don't have to wait for individual issues. Can you actually read it on a Kindle? I believe so. Oh, okay. I, use, I read it from my iPad, but I believe you can. All right, cool. 
Sounds good. All right. Well, I mean, that was, uh, I guess, our brief uh, history with M4. Um, but in terms of the game, now the game in the direction that we are currently headed, we're leading, we're running into November, which will be the second year anniversary for the game. Where do you think the game is headed personally? So you don't actually have to be optimistic or pessimistic or whatever. Just be real and tell us what you think. Okay. So realistic, I think we should be getting the skin exchanger or skin swap, whatever you want to call it, since they gave us a preview and I'm dying to use that feature so I can use POT again, uh, who else, or Harley Quinn, quite vexing, those dudes that have so much better non-legendary looks. And then the shard exchange, hopefully, is what they meant by the Satana clue that she handed out during her Mm -hmm. uh, announcement. Okay, and then hopefully some mode or new pve content so i agree with ogre that we do get content but it it feels like a rehash because you really don't get new locations new no no music it's technically new content but it's it's a rehash of what we already have so if they come up with with a new location that would be a plus okay so those are what i kind of expect coming and then one of the things that i would love to have but I don't know. I don't think this is realistic is how we can have our own AI, basically our own style of player reflected on our uh, teams. Like coding. So you're talking about being able to set an AI for the for the team. Correct. Okay. Or even if you don't, something like they would learn from you. Uh, if any of you played uh, like Tekken on PvP, you know that it kind of learns your tendencies. Yeah. So you know how like, the tune always has this uh, like ninety percent chance to use their three first, and then the two, and then the one. The AI and then AI you have is a bit more smarter in in those games. <laughs> yes, they do. But in PvP, they they kind of put just put some randomness to it. So sometimes they'll do some bonehead attacks, like Batman Beyond uses his three instead of using his awesome basic things like that. So if they do that, that would be awesome. I have something, for example, on Power Girl's AI. If you hit her with a crit that purges her she'll often taunt back up on her first move, right? If you hit her with a purging move that doesn't crit, she won't, she'll, she won't open with that. She'll open with her AoE. And and in some weird instances, if you hit her and don't purge her and that doesn't crit, she'll just punch you. So it's really weird. <laughs> there's there's no rhyme or reason behind it, but I think there is sort of uh, some kind of backcoding for certain abilities. That's why. They, they, I think they have some basic uh, if if else conditions on those yeah. skills, but let's talk about someone with a complicated kit. Let's yeah. say a, vic- a vixen. Vixen, yeah. vixen is a Swiss. <laughs> yes, Same but he, he, but there's only one way to use him: use his basic and then nuke the other guy. Yeah. Vixen is a Swiss army knife, right? She has all of the tools to deal with every problem. However, her her AI would just use Rhino over and over, which is not a bad thing. But sometimes she would just use a random skill, which doesn't make sense, right? So if they can improve the AI, some of the other tunes would be, you know, more, we would see them more in PvP. Like Cyborg, like you said, no one uses him because you know you're just begging to be, you know, destroyed with the enemy player, right? There's there's no way you're going to win defensively with Cyborg, so. The thing about a, the, the AI, especially with um, cyborgs, it's pretty evident that the programming is programmed in such a way that it op- it starts with the biggest uh, payoff ability uh, with the highest cooldown if it's available at that time. Yes, that's that's. I think that's the 
the main programming uh, tenet that they put in the tunes. All those. Which is an unfortunate thing for Cyborg because he always starts with his stupid thing that misses all the time. His stupid cannon. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. That's why I, on my alt, so I don't play it actively. I play it along when I play with my main account. That's why I love Atrocitus. Oh. He gets around that stupid AI. He makes them because you're going to just—he's just going to force your dudes to use uh, basic. So yes. you choose wonder. Yeah, he makes them use their basic. They make them. Yeah, you make them. They make them predictable. Yeah. And, and he, also, the, the yeah. annoying thing is, sorry, uh, sorry to cut you off. The annoying thing is sometimes your offensive AI is correct, right? Oh. So your dudes would use. Um, let's say AOE, but their defensive AI is somehow different. So I think that's how they nerf certain tunes like EA, uh, Emerald Archer. So, so yeah, I never see him use his AOE. He doesn't, right? But if he, if, but if he use him uh, offensively on auto, he's going to use his AOE on the second turn. Yeah. He starts off. So with it's, it's just, he starts off with buff then AOE. Right. Right. But remember that back in the good old days, he would start with his AOE. Yeah, I never understood that programming either. Like, how did they, what did they change between then and now, right? Like, why did they change it? I don't know, it's weird. So, Oh, they just chose to do a an AI nerf instead of a kit nerf. So I think uh, that's why, because there's a lot of, you know, those days where EA ruled the PVPs, right? Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that for the game moving forward, what you want to see is an improvement to the overall AI. Either we get to set something or that it just becomes smarter. Correct. <laughs> that's probably one of the hardest things to ask for. I know. I know. That's why I said I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But if I have a wish list and going to yeah. wish for the world, that's going to be it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Alrighty. All right. Thanks for that. Then we'll get into uh, TV news. Then there isn't too much in terms of movie stuff. So into the Arrowverse we go. So I was just talking with M4 before and he is pretty much caught up in the previous seasons of all the CW shows. But he hasn't started watching this seasons yet. I think Ogre, you're sort of in the same boat too, right? Yeah, pretty much. So I mean, actually, no, I take that back. I'm, I'm like a season behind on everything. Okay, fair enough. But this season, this current season, is only about one week's worth of episodes in for most of the shows. I think Supergirl might be the only one that has two episodes. Overall, there's been a lot of stuff, um, you know, cropping up on social media feeds about their crossover events, Elseworld that we talked about before. It, they may be going off canon for a lot of stuff. They may be doing, there was a poster where Flash was wearing Arrow's suit and Arrow is wearing Flash's suit. Then there was also a tweet with both of the actors alongside the actor for Superman in the Supergirl show wearing a black Superman suit. So the, uh, the black suit Superman. Now, for those of you who follow Superman canon, and this is also a caveat because this could also be in Elseworld, so it might not be part of the canon again. Black, the black Superman suit, I think, is referred to in two different instances. One was Rebirth and one was Solar Suit. No. Now, in Rebirth, Superman comes back with a mullet and, uh, no wait, so that's Solar Suit. He comes back with a mullet and a beard. And then in Rebirth, he basically is like a whole new Superman with a different suit. It's a, it's an old Kryptonian suit, sort of like the one that the, uh, the Zod's Army's Kryptonian's, uh, standard black suit. So it's a standard issue battle gear. Yeah, right. With with the uh, the House of Elcrest, right? But uh, yeah, in this one, in the tweet that uh, they posted out with the picture, it looks like the full on Superman suit with cape and everything, except it's all tinted black. Like if you look at that that actor's costume from the old Supergirl shows, the old episodes where he's in him, 
the suit looks exactly the same, except without any color, it's just all black. It, and also, he doesn't have a mullet, he doesn't have a beard, he just looks the normal, like, looks like the normal Superman. It's as if they just took his suit and slapped a coat of black on it. I don't know, what do you, what do you think based on that idea, what that could mean? I think I agree with your theory on that he went off-world and that's his uh, solar suit, then no beard, so... Right. As long as he doesn't grow a mullet, I'm fine with it. <laughs> that's the reason why I, I was sort of disappointed. I wanted him to have the bullet because that actually gives him character. <laughs> gives him sort of this uh, gritty feel. Bullets are bad. But, I mean, there was a reason for it because I, I can't remember exactly which part of the Superman canon it was. But he had to go off into space, do some stuff off world, like go from planet to planet, saving people and doing Superman stuff. And in that time, he was so busy flying around that he, he wasn't shaving and his hair just grew out. Right? <laughs> And at the same time, his uh, his suit. Now, the reason why it's called a solar suit is because it acts as like a battery. So it, as he's draw- going further away from the sun, it actually stores up solar radiation so that he can continue to maintain his powers. So that was sort of the reason why um, it's considered a solar suit. So I'm wondering if it is a solar suit, if there's going to be like space battles with the superheroes, right? Like they're going to battle someone in space. Like usually whenever that happens. Like lanterns, maybe? Could be lanterns, or could be like Superman fights Lobo in space, for example. That happens a lot too, right? So that'd be awesome. Yeah, like if you see a, a Lobo character on a on a motorcycle, and then he just like you know is punching him in in space. That's cool. I would love to see this. But we do know that there is going to be a Lobo, just not in this series. It'll be in Krypton. And actually, there's been pictures of the the, the actor who has been casted for Lobo in a co- sort of Lobo makeup and costume. The one thing that's weird for me is that he looks really small for Lobo. Like Lobo, to me, has always been really huge and bulky. This guy looks kind of scrawny. So I'm not sure uh, what to make of that, but we'll see. Because that's uh, still far away, uh, still a far a ways away. It's uh, it's going to be, I think, early 2019 at at the earliest when it's released. You can't have a small main man. I mean... Well, later on, go go on to Google, search up Krypton Lobo, and look at the pictures you see. doesn't look very big. <laughs> I'll take a look later. So, okay. With that being said, I mean, in terms of the Arrowverse, there wasn't too much news, but uh, in terms of Titans, because uh, we're now into the second episode that has aired, uh, I think, yesterday. Titans. Now, the show has been kind of uh, shaping up like over with a lot of social media although there's only been one episode so far but there's been a lot of stuff on youtube on the dc's uh youtube channel and if you guys haven't already i would definitely suggest most of you guys to subscribe to the dc youtube channel because it's a way to get into the dc universe without actually having to subscribe to the dc universe if for example you're like me and you're not in the u.s you can't actually access it. It does give you sort of a sneak peek into like the panels and the discussions that they have with actors and comic book artists and writers and things like that. It's really cool. And they also give you a lot of preview stuff on their YouTube channel too, like the show preview stuff and so on and so forth. But in terms of Titans, now I know that M4 and Ogre hasn't actually haven't actually watched the episode yet, but you guys have seen some of the clips that people were talking about that have been sort of spreading around social media, right? Have you guys... What, I have. You guys, I've been trying to avoid them, actually. Oh, you, you haven't watched them yet? No, I've been trying to avoid them because I want to watch the show when it comes available. Okay. Um, do you mind if we talk about it then? I mean, that's fine. I don't mind, but well, we'll I'm not going to input it. Okay, we'll try not to spoil too much then. Uh, well, no, I mean, I, spoilers are fine. I don't care. Oh, okay. It's just I don't want to see it until I can see the whole thing, so... So what we were going to talk about, there was three things in particular um, for the last episode and the upcoming episodes. There was the fight, the first fight scene with Robin. Then there was sort of this fight, uh, dram- like 
incident scene with Raven. And then there was uh, sort of a preview for Hawk and Dove in the second episode. So first, the the fight scene with uh, Robin. M4, what did you think about that? It's very promising. So I think it's a really dark and gritty, not like your typical Titan. I guess that's why they removed the teen from the Titans, because it's really dark. And I, I love the action. He's no-nonsense Robin. It makes me think like he's Batman, the way he just punches those guys. And the thing with the stuff he did at the end, it's so cool. Yeah, that, that reminded me sort of like Darth Maul from Star Wars at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But with two guys at the end. <laughs> yeah, with two guys on either end of his staff. But it was, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, but the idea of a gritty sort of uh, damaged Robin, this was something that Ogre was talking about before in when just watching the previews, right, of um, the character development. That's something that you didn't like about uh, Dick Grayson, right, Ogre? Well, it just, it seems more like Jason Todd. It does. So, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't fit Grayson's personality, right? He's always the one who's anti-violence and stuff. So, we'll see. Maybe he's working towards that anti-violence by getting all the violence out of his system. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that they just chose to go with this direction, so we'll see. But it would be interesting to see if something happens to him later on in the series, and all of a sudden he does change his personality. Yeah. So Well, yeah. well, well, well maybe, because in, in the comics, uh, Grayson came out of a Batman swing because he was too violent, right? And Rob Dick does not approve. Here, he still hates Batman, but we don't know why, right? So maybe that's the reason why he's that intense. So we'll see. Probably him and Bruce had a falling out somewhere. But, okay. Well, I mean, with that... It almost seems like role reversal right there, Raven. Yeah. But there is a point where we, we've seen in the trailers that uh, for the character the character promos that Jason Todd is showing up later. And it's weird because Jason Todd's character is when he's sort of like a teenager. He's still really young. And he's learning the ropes, but he has sort of this sarcastic, he's uh, cynical, uh, well, teenager vibe to him, right? So we're trying to figure out, well, is Robin going to mentor Jason Todd? And is Jason Todd going to become like Robin because he's so greedy and so, you know, no nonsense type of thing? And that's where Jason Todd become, slowly evolves to become Red Hood. Is that what causes Nightwing to go anti-violence? Could be. Yeah, that could be it. So maybe he's sort of like, as you're saying, the role reversal, maybe he's kind of like Batman right now teaching uh, the new Robin, like the way of do th- doing things, but then the new Robin gets sort of uh, carried away, gets gets out of hand, and then he becomes Nightwing to sort of like, hey, this is how you're supposed to be doing things, right? But Yeah, that's kind of the feeling that it kind of portrays, at least what I'm understanding from you guys so far. So, yeah. Well, the one thing is that the fight scene, uh, when you get a chance to watch it, it's pretty dramatic. It's pretty like, whoa, this is Robin? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it had a very Punisher aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, Punisher would Punisher is pretty uh pretty accurate, I think. Or Daredevil, like if you watch the Netflix series series, it's kinda like that. Like Yeah, that's kinda what I was getting at was the, the Punisher Netflix series. Like there was a couple of scenes apparently in the first two episodes where he does something very similar to what Punisher does in the series where he drags a guy's face across stuff. Oh yeah, oh, yeah he did that. Yes. That, that that was the one thing we're trying not to say. <laughs> <laughs> I already know. I already know some spoilers. Like I just, I don't want to watch the clips. I don't mind knowing what happens. I just don't want to see it uh, yet. Okay. He he basically just like beats up a bunch of like goons in an alleyway and grabs one guy and just drags his face against a wall. Yeah, and I heard in the second episode it's actually uh, a car window 
Like he busts out the car window and then drags the dude's face into the glass. I haven't, I haven't watched the second episode yet. I'll watch it soon, though. Uh, okay. Yeah, that, that's the little bit of review that I heard. So I don't really know. But it sounds really cool. So, But we'll see where it goes. It'll be interesting to see if they do what I was saying with him training Jason and then Jason going overboard. And that's what causes him to kind of step back. Yeah. Or if it'll be something else entirely. You know, who knows? So there's a second scene in that first episode where uh, Raven is sort of being rescued or being helped by Dick Grayson. And then a bunch of goons come to try and take Raven or trying to, I'm not sure if they're trying to kill her or take her exactly what's happening, but uh, basically she's in trouble. And she gets pinned up uh, against the wall with this one dude or basically in the same room as this one dude. And she fights against him. Now, I mean, M4, you, you watched that, episode, that clip too. What did you think about that scene? That wasn't much of a fight, and I don't think she was getting rescued. <laughs> she, she was whining her. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for Ogre, but uh, it, it it was more like of a coming from a horror movie than, than a superhero That's show. Good. Now, the the thing about us, like most of us who who know Raven, we know her through Teen Titans, right? And we know her through maybe the Justice League a little bit through references of uh, the the Titans in those episodes too, right? Those series. But she always comes off as sort of this quiet little girl, and she's kind of quirky and maybe a little comical in the sort of sort of sarcastic sense in Teen Titans. Here, well, she's the daughter of a demon who basically is trying to fight against that by being quirky. Exactly. She doesn't understand our customs, our cultures, because she, you know, she doesn't doesn't understand them because she's never interacted with them, yeah. and that's why she comes off awkward is because she, you know, wants to interact in the demon way. And just start destroying things. They're like, but she's trying to fight against that. That's part of her character. That's why she's so cool. Right. Part of the thing that we know, like the way we, she's animated and the way she is portrayed in a lot of the animated, even the comic books too, is that she has sort of this sort of a lonely, loner character, this quirky part of her character, which makes her endearing too. But in this show, you are reminded of the fact that she's a demon. She's half demon, right? And you really see that demonic aspect really looks like something out of The Exorcist or something like that. That part of the the show really resonates in terms of what to expect going forward. Like the quality of CGI that they put into that and the quality of, um, I guess, preparation and work and the to, to get that scene just right is not something very easily done, I think. So I think they did a really good job there. What do you guys think? Or Info, what do you think about Yeah, the, the couple of mm-hmm. pictures I've seen of her, like, pseudo-transformation looked really good. So I'm hoping she actually does go full-on red skin, four eyes glowing at one point, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm with Ogre. I want to see the real Raven. I, I, I don't want to watch too much of it. I only saw it because of the links that you provided in the show notes. I'm hoping that in the future she gets the purple cloak. She gets the purple cloak and she gets, like, the dark suit and she starts flying. I want to see the gem in her forehead, but all right. Well, then I guess I'm just nitpicking on that one. <laughs> That's fine. At the end of the episode, they preview the second episode, and also on the DC YouTube channel, they showed a bit more previews of Hawk and Dub coming up in the second episode. Now, the way it was labeled on the character promo, it said "Birds of a Feather," and you see Hawk and Dove, uh, a guy and a girl. Uh, they seem to be in a relationship, and. They are talking a lot with Dick Grayson, and it seems like they know him because they see him outside of his Robin costume, and they see they battle alongside him in his Robin costume. So they clearly know 
you know, what's up? So in terms of the relationship between uh, Robin, Hawk, and Dove, I'm personally not that well informed, and I don't think many people are. I, I did some research, actually, on Hawk and Dove because I heard they were coming in. So I'm like, who are these guys? Hawk and Dove were originally a pair of brothers. One was, there was two gods. I forget what they were, who their names were, but one was Chaos and one was Order. Hawk is imbued with the powers of the Chaos God, and Dove is imbued with the power of the Order God. Uh, basically, Hawk has, you know, immeasurable strength and, you know, other, you know, chaotic abilities. Whereas Dove, basically, if he doesn't want to get hit in combat, he's not going to get hit. And basically is invulnerable and a few other things. But So that was their original powers. And eventually, uh, Dove, the brother, died. And then they found the girl and gave her the powers. And that's when Hawk and Dove became the current iteration of the male and female. I don't think that they're in a relationship. I think that they fight together because they have to because of the way the gods work. I'm not really sure what Titan's show is going to go with, though. That kind of sounds like a little bit of uh, what M4 was saying. Now, M4, you kind of know a little bit of what Ogre was leading into, right? Well, only because I've watched all of the Justice League Unlimited shows and I saw them there. So I know there were two dudes one of them got the short end of the stick when it comes to the names. <laughs> so when I saw that Dove here was a girl, okay, that's not what I expected, but at least I don't mind being called Dove if I'm a girl. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, the thing is, um, I was looking into it just after talking to M4 earlier today, that there was actually a, this might be like a new 52 type of thing, like another iteration of Hawk and Dove where uh, they are a couple. And I think that's where they're taking from the show. Because what uh, Ogre is telling me is that they, these are actual superheroes, the two dudes, right? The two brothers. So they're actual superheroes with powers because they have powers of gods, right? But in the show, they're vigilantes. They're humans without powers. They're just in bird suits. So they are basically like Arrow, I guess, for a lack of a... Or I guess like Robin, in a sense. Makes more sense. But um, they each have different abilities in terms of uh, fighting styles. So one is more of like a, you know, a head-to-head brawler. The Hawk is more of a head-to-head brawler. He's really tough and, you know, sort of like... Uh, more like a boxer. Yeah. Now, yeah. And Dove, or a pro wrestler. Uh, right. Now, according to the <laughs> character promo, Dove is more of like a, a gymnast, a dancer, and she she's trained in like hand-to-hand combat. But her fighting style is, I guess, more of like a dancer. I guess uh, capoeira would be a, a pretty close comparison, right? But and you see the way that they fight. Um, Hawk and Dub fight together. They like there's a point in one of the preview promos where Hawk picks up Dub and sort of flings her around, and she's like knocking everyone out with her legs. So kind of like sort of those uh, martial arts uh, movies that you know we watched back in the day with Jackie Chan or something. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting from them. But you also see that in the promo that they are in, it looks like they're a couple or they're in a relationship and they have sort of this weird tension between them. Like they're together, but they fight a lot. So they're together, but they fight a lot. I, I, I can't other. imagine why that would be. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awkward, but then I guess that's part of the, um, the drama aspect of the show. They want to give that sort of chemistry to keep things interesting, I guess. So uh, hopefully that'll be interesting. But they, the thing that I'm most interested in their relation is their relationship with Robin, because you have Robin, Hawk, and Dove, and they're all birds. And they, they label that part birds of a feather. So I'm wondering if that's going to be sort of like a small little niche group that's going to you know be alongside the Titans. Well, that's going to be part, like, one segment of the Titans. You know what I mean? It wouldn't surprise me if they were actually the group that he met up with after leaving Batman. 
before he formed the Titans. That makes sense. Now that you said, now that you mentioned it, that would make sense. Yeah, they're they're, they're the in between. Yeah, that's kind of what I get. Is that Robin left Batman, found Hawk and Dove just by chance, followed them around for a little while, helped them out for a little bit, and then this is where we're transitioning now. Is that he left that group and is going to end up forming Titans? Because of his experience with Batman and Hawk and Dove. Alrighty. So, I mean, I guess with that, we'll wrap it up there for the Titans show. The last section is just a couple of questions from some users. Uh, from Ventus1. Uh, Ventus1 says, Since November is around the corner, can Ogre tell us something from his last visit to Warner, Warner Brothers Studios? Uh, I think he's referring to stuff that... He, he's under the impression that you know more than, than you let on to know. But we can't you can't tell us until the end of it. I unfortunately don't know anything. <laughs> I have I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then yeah. if they had whatever they have planned, they didn't expose to me at that time, so I, I have no idea, unfortunately. So they were just vague, saying that there's something down the line in the pipeline. <laughs> That's all right. Well, yeah, it was exactly like I was saying. You know, just be ready for November and December. There's big stuff coming. Like they have stuff that they're planning, but they didn't tell me what. So. So let's hope they stick to that, uh, and um, you know, we get something a little bit more out of the ordinary. And then the second part of his question was, what are you guys uh, wishing to see for the two-year anniversary? Now, we talked about that a little bit with M4, but I mean, Ogre, is there anything else, anything more specific that you are hoping for? Legendary events have been coming soon for two years. <laughs> I would like to see what those can do at some point. What? Now, if it said, now, Legendary it said uh, it needs to be unlocked at level... 80, right? Or was it level 70? Well, it was 70 originally, then there is the level cap, and then it went, went up with... What would what would you think it is if it gets unlocked? I'm honestly hoping that it's actually just more advanced events like we currently have, where we get more gear materials, and maybe some XP materials, or something like that, so that once you hit level cap, you can finally you know, start upgrading your roster to its full potential kind of thing. That's yeah, what I'm hoping. Definitely. Yeah, XP is definitely a big bottleneck right now. M4, what do you think about the legendary events if it were to be unlocked? What do you think it would be? So, I don't know if they had something planned when it when they built the game for it, but right now I think the clamor from, from the community is something about raids. So, if they're going to put something out in there, I bet it has to be something to do with raids. Raids would be something... Now, the question is, legendary events, would that mean that, let's say, if they label it legendary events, they made it raids, would that mean you'd have to be legendary to to use those characters in the raids then? If you were to think of it that way. Or would they put... Or maybe, or something difficult, difficult. So I know people want to see... Like a world uh, boss. Yeah, something, someone like Darkseid or who else? Or the Brainiac, those guys that sh I believe should not be playable. But Trigon, they be. since we're talking about oh, Raven. Yeah. Yes, those guys. They should not be playable. They should be bosses. Now, characters I, like Necron. I think that, for example, if you were to implement a raid system, why not make it a, second, a separate part of the hangar bay? And then Legendary could be something else, I think. Because Legendary events seems like it's worded in such a way that it's probably a PvE type of event, but it's probably specific to a certain type of hero class, right? Like a legendary, you know, it's gated at legendary, for example, right? Well, it also requires a really high level for the player. So, I mean, it does make sense that you have to have at least legendary rank. But again, I think that would be really cool is if they just took the events that we have and made them, you know, legendary, so to say. Uh, another thing that I can think about is that 
you could use legendary events in a way that would it's sort of like unlocking like extra hard mode or like you know like uh what's it called? legendary mode legendary mode or legendary uh, hardcore mode uh, like basically something like imagine like you take the campaign nodes and you just increase the difficulty like 10 times right? like super hard super hard. you have to have a gear 11 plus roster to try and compete in this right like you can't even get through chapter one without gear 11 like a full gear a gear 11 uh team so that would be that would be interesting. that would be amazing yeah so that would be that would be interesting. Even if they just re like skinned and copied over the ca- the current campaign and just put it in. Well, like we have so many new characters that have been introduced. Just give us you know the three waves that we've been getting throughout story mode, but give us a boss character on each wave, and you wouldn't even have to repeat bosses for forever because you have ninety some odd characters. That's true. That that would be an interesting way to keep the legendary feel to that that node, right? That uh, that asp- that element. So that would be cool. Especially since the Lord of the Unliving challenge is no longer difficult. No, they even made it easier by taking away like waves on the last node, right? Yeah, they took away five waves. The first five waves went away, and they also reduced the damage and HP that the characters had. Right. So... It, it used to be a big deal when you can finish it. Now it's like. Don't even that was a joke. Anyways, on to another question. The next question is from Joker that was posted in the Discord chat. He said, does M4 condone Ogre's brilliant strategy of avoiding Harley Quinn Wonder Girl teams, or is he sane and suggests a nerf to Wonder Girl? <laughs> this is such a loaded question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, Joker's good at that. Yeah, so I'll try to answer it. All right, so for the first half, of the question is I would just say that I do not avoid any team. I try to beat any and every team out there. So yeah, I, I you don't fight those hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to answer that question, but yeah. since you put it that way, yes, I do not condone it. All right. So the second question is is he sane and suggests a nerf to Wonder Girl? All right. So here's what I'm gonna say about that. So I'm not pro or anti-Wonder Girl nerf, okay? But what I do know is, I, I mentioned this earlier, one is fix the bugs. So the basic needs to be, it needs to miss if she's not enraged. And then the counting, I, I'm not now not sure with people on Reddit saying that she may be counting correctly. It's just happening so fast, so I don't know anymore. But what I do know is Wonder Girl is in 90%, maybe even higher than that of the teams out there in Raid Arena. And something needs to change, whether it's a nerf, a slight nerf. Please don't nerf her too bad like they did to Deathstroke. Or they put something out there, a new mechanic that would, you know, enable... 66% of the roster. New mechanic. Randomly ban five characters from the arena. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was joking to Kage. Maybe there's a new pa- passive called duck. And your dudes <laughs> would just duck whenever she waves the <laughs> I think that would work. Everyone duck, down. everyone. Everyone just get down. Yep, that, that should solve it, right? That should solve it. Like Do we get another passive called Goose? Duck, duck, goose. <laughs> or, or maybe even with the existing ones, let's say invisibility, she can't see your buffs, she can't see you, she can't count them, so she can't whip. Maybe something, anything, just to, just to change. Clickface is back. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it won't, because he's not invisible. She can count his buffs. <laughs> 
Now, That's yeah. true, but if you don't have Clayface upgraded high enough, the agility do fall off on his uh, teammates' turns. Uh, That's true. And then he would be the only one with the buffs, so at least it wouldn't double the damage. Now, ah, uh, yes. There, there was a mechanic that I was suggesting a long time ago, and we, we, we kept this question has come up many times in previous podcasts of like what new mechanics or what new things you would want in the in the in the game. One thing to me would be an ability either passive or leadership or something that would shut down other characters' passives. And let's say all other characters, so that it's not, so it's more balanced, so it's not just uh, the opponent's team, even your passives. So. Oh, that is opening a kind of worms. I, I've heard that suggestion before, but then it's not going to be a race with the highest crit chance, with the highest uh, uh, damage, right? Because if there are no passives to prevent those things, it will just be like a crit fest again, like it used to be. It, it could be, right? HP is just not high enough. The The question is, though, like, if you were to create, like, some version of that, that would be, let's say, a little bit more balanced. Now, what character would you put that on? What character you think could come into a battle and strip everyone's abilities? Good question, let's see. It'd have to be someone like It'd a villain. Grodd! Grodd, well, yeah, uh, not necessarily, though, right? Like, he can't... Grodd does have weaknesses well, against uh, him. He has some mind control, though. Like... I'm just thinking out loud. I was thinking of some th- someone like um, can't remember his name, the Spectre, or the, like the black, the guy with the black top hat and the cane, and he does everything. And he's part of the Injustice Gentleman League. Ghost. Was it Gentleman Ghost? Is that his name? He's in, he's part of the Injustice League. I have no idea. The Secret Society. It sounds like Gentleman Ghost, but I have no idea. I think that's it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's him. I don't even know his name. I, I just keep. I remember. You could introduce uh, if you're going to go with Justice League Dark. You could do Dead Man. Rework Zatanna to do it. Ooh, that would be good. Yeah, that could be good. Well, okay. Now here, here's the other part of the argument, though. We keep talking about think, um, thinking about ways to deal with this problematic character with more solutions, right? In terms of new characters, which is good because it promotes more character development. But at the same time, how many times are you going to try and release a solution to something and it doesn't work? Let's say it doesn't stick, and we still need to find a way to deal with it. Well, then you should have just went ahead and nerfed it. That's what happened with Deathstroke and Lobo, right? Because we released Red Hood, which we thought was good enough, but it wasn't good enough. We released... Like, they released, we, like, six characters. It started with Princess Athena You know, it built up and built up and built up. It, had, it culminated with Red Hood. We had like, And then they decided, okay, this isn't working. You guys aren't working with the right. counters we're giving you, right. so we're going to go ahead and nerf them. Right, but, I mean, are we expected to go through another half year of that like developing a half year's worth of new characters and reworks to deal with one character where we could have just, you know, let's just do this and be done with it. So that's basically the argument so that's, that, basically- that, that's being presented here, right? And a lot of people... Well, I mean, it, here's the thing. All of those characters that were developed to quote-unquote stop Deathstroke still are really good. They, are. they still are very good at what they do. Like Princess of Themyscira is still arguably one of the best characters in the game. I mean, whether or not you used her to counter Deathstroke is up to you, but you still use her now, like, because she's still really, really good. So I'm okay with them working on characters to do certain things to try and counter the meta. If it works, then cool. The problem is nobody wants to change their meta team. I mean, the problem with it also is because the teams are very offensively based, right? So because they're so offensively based... Always. Right. You you basically can ignore most of that fact and still run your team offensively, and that's not going to be that's not going to solve the problem because that that group of people who are running teams that way are still going to populate that majority of uh, the wraith arena, right? Now the problem is that because that 
because of that fact, they finally had to get to the point where let's, you know, readjust Deathstroke and Lobo again. So, I mean, I have a feeling, and this is what we, you, Doom, and I were saying, like, when we did the over-under, it's going to be, it's probably going to get to a point where if the next couple of characters that they put out to, quote-unquote, solve these issues, don't actually solve them, it's going to be the, the following month. I'm, get, I'm saying December, before the new year, she's going to be readjusted again. That's what I think. I had an idea on one of the ideas that we were talking about here about other passives that not necessarily disabling all passives, but maybe disabling all out of turn attacks could be something. Could be. That could be something. So no more like counterattacking and stuff like that too? Yeah, counterattacks, uh, extra attacks, bonus attacks, attacks, whatever you want to call it, random attacks. Characters like Swamp Thing, Beast Boy would also be affected by it, but characters like Raven would lose her counterattack, but she wouldn't lose her passive to reduce the mm-hmm. chance. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. I think that would be a good way to, to maybe attack that, it. That'd be a nice that, solution. That is a great idea, but I think it's difficult to implement. Remember Red Hood? They, it, 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 it probably is a coding nightmare. I'll give it, you that one. It took them like, I don't know, four months at least to get him completely working as intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, Clayface, I think, has been longer yeah. because of his anti-death right mechanic. because of the triggers and the timings right it's it's not when he's dying but who and when it, it's it's cost right that's why they had so, so much trouble trying to nail down when the bug happens speaking of clay yeah it gets really complicated speaking of clayface did you guys see grim reaper's recent video of how clayface bugs his back <laughs> I did my, not. My, my question is why is he using clayface <laughs> no wait he wasn't using clayface he was playing against clayface right was he? I thought he was. He basically the bug that he was showing was that the enemy clayface. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was invisible. Right. He was dead. Yes, yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't die. Yeah. And even though, even though he had like eight that's not new. Bugs, that's been around forever. No, but they fixed that, right? They took that away, and then um, supposedly. Yeah, but then yeah. what happened was this bug is different now. What I'm trying to say now is that before. Oh. Um, oh. When, you to, when you tried to use an ability that targeted the invisible clayface, you would skip over your move, right? But here, even though he had like AOE moves or moves that could buff like his himself or other members of his team, any move you used would just skip your turn. So basically, doesn't matter which of the three or four active moves you have, right? Whatever he, you pressed would just like skip over that character's turn and go to the next. Yeah, but yeah, but but the ogre's point, it's not new. I think the fix to that bug was Wonder Girl. Well, I think the fix <laughs> worked, and that no, no, I think the fix worked, and then whatever they introduced since then overrode it somehow and it came back right and right. we just we're not just seeing it because of you know you can't really use Clayface anymore yeah i think that's another part of it because i know for a long time cheetah she worked just fine with her blood in the air trigger to 10 percent chance whenever somebody bled to trigger her blood in the air but all of a sudden it doesn't work uh it hasn't worked for a while now but nobody uses cheetah to know so yeah she's on my bench for a long time yeah I use her, but I can't get her blood in the air to trigger because it just, it's not triggering right now. So, and the same thing happened with Silver Banshee. She just wouldn't go invisible. So there's a timing issue of trying to count a bleed when it happens. And it was affecting both of those characters. They have fixed Silver Banshee, but not Cheetah yet. There's a a line of code somewhere that's sort of, I guess, off, like, you know, missing somewhere or maybe a little bit off in a recent update. Well, there's something that's overwriting something else somewhere, and it's just not working the way it's intended. The code could be correct on both of them, but one of them is overwriting the other one. Yeah. 
Alrighty. Well, all right. I don't know. I'm not a coder. <laughs> That's fair enough. Well, I guess we, we, we've uh, beaten this issue uh, enough to death. So we'll wait until see what next month brings. But uh, anyways, before we wrap things up, though, the, like I like we alluded to at the beginning of the episode, we are in talks currently with uh, We Are Legends and Hate Mail and I uh, will be talking about this a little bit more on their upcoming anniversary episode. But we're thinking of merging our platforms together on Patreon and on SoundCloud for a couple of reasons. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit more on their anniversary episode. But for those of you who are patrons and supporters of this show, do know that we'll continue to keep uh, keep the show hopefully as it is right now. The only thing is that it may be no longer on our current SoundCloud. We may have to change servers and we'll let everyone know at that point how to sort of figure out where to get the episodes from. So, And if you're already following We Are Legends as well, then it shouldn't be a problem for you because we'll be either on their platform or they'll be on our platform, one or the other. And our YouTube channels will stay the same. Uh, so all our videos and all the stuff we post will be on there as usual. So look out for that. It's a, hopefully an exciting change that will help both of our shows together and hopefully will help us grow in terms of the amount of service and the the quality of shows we can provide to you guys. All right. So just before we go, just sh- a shout out to our current patrons at the Do Gutter tier. We have James B at the Hero tier. We have uh, Hate Mail hanging out. And uh, also shout outs to William I, Backfire COH, and Ventus One for hanging out and supporting us always. So time to wrap it up, I guess. Ogre, any last words? Thanks for listening, guys. And just to piggyback off of something you said just a second ago, DP, next month, we'll bring Doom Box back to the show, hopefully. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I had to do it. And for any last words? Oh, just just thank you guys for having me here. It's it's a pleasure. Thanks for being on so late. I know it's uh, pretty late there over uh, on your end. So let you get to sleep. It is, but for the love of the game. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks for. Well, don't don't feel too bad because I'm up. You know, it's one a.m. now. I have to get up at seven thirty to do a recording with hate mail for the anniversary episode of We Are Legends. Also, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna have a long day tomorrow. Alrighty then. Again, thank you guys for listening and always supporting the Oddsman broadcast. Um, all do continue to follow us on Patreon, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Facebook at the Oddsman. Most of those channels will probably stay the same. Once we change them, we'll let you guys know uh, where to go. But uh, hopefully the transition won't be too difficult. Again, uh, thanks again for listening. And with that, have a good night. Good night. And so, for the top alliances this week, we have UJLA Koei once again. And World's Finest was yours truly. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Oddsman Broadcast. Be sure to check out the next episode of We Are Legends coming up next week.